the J Talk podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the J Talk podcast. I'm Johnny Nico, and I'm filling in for Ben while he's back in Australia. This week, I'll be covering all that went down in round 23 of the 2023 J1 season. As I hinted last time, I'll be flying solo in this pod, so here's a quick rundown of the formats. I'll open with a look at the fixtures from last weekend's slate of games that involved the top three. Then I'll let you know who won my under-23 player of the round gong. After that, it's the three matches involving the sides in the bottom three. And then it's time to see who lifted the coveted Johnny's player of the round awards. And in the final section, I'll round out the match day by discussing the remaining three bouts before casting an eye ahead to round 24. And I'll also answer another couple of listener questions along the way. Okay, with that out the way, let's get cracking. Kawasaki Frontale nil, Vissel Kobe 1. As John Steele pointed out in last week's pod, both of these sides were desperate to bounce back from disappointing results in the previous rounds, and in the end, it was table-topping Vissel, who were able to keep themselves in pole position for a first-ever J1 crown by eking out a win at the Todoroki Stadium. Frontale boss Toru Oniki made several changes to his side, with Yusuke Segawa rewarded for his two-goal heroics against Gamba with a first-ever J1 start for the club, while for Vissel, Goto Kusakai was back and the enigmatic Jean-Patrick took Koya Yuruki's place on the left wing. The opening half-hour was fairly tame stuff, with Sagawa seeing his shot blocked, while down the other end, J1 top scorer Yuya Osako headed Yoshinori Muto's cross just over. The game's defining moment then came in the 34th minute, as Osako put speedster Jean-Patrick in the clear, but his run was halted by a very light brush in the back by retreating frontale defender Takuma Ominami. Initially, Ominami was given a yellow card, as the referee thought it was a penalty. VAR showed the limited contact that did take place was outside the box, so a free kick was awarded, but Ominami was then shown a red card for a dogzo offence. After five minutes clearing all that up, Yuya Osako, he curled the resulting free kick over the wall and passed the despairing dive of Jung Song Yong for his 17th goal of the season. Despite being a player down, Frontale had the better of the second half, and there was a huge let-off for Vissel in the 77th minute, as in an incident reminiscent of Kawasaki's third goal versus Gamba last week, they had multiple shots on goal. Then Kyohei Noborizato managed to square it to Yasto Wakizaka, but he skied his effort over from 8 yards, and it remained 1-0 to the visitors. Into additional time, and Kobe could have doubled their advantage when Mitsuki Saito put Jean-Patrick 1-1 with Jung, but the big South Korean stopper was up to the task. While down the other end, uh, Frontali's final chance came after substitute Marcinho's shot was deflected for a corner, and then Kota Takai headed the resulting set-piece just wide. Vissel then remained top on 47 points, with a better goal difference than Yokohama F. Marinos. Frontali, well, that's back-to-back home losses for them, and they've slipped to ninth. Yokohama F. Marinos 2, Gamba Osaka 1. Gamba came into this clash on the back of an eight-game unbeaten run, but they met their match in the shape of defending champs Yokohama F. Marinos. Gamba had the first chance after four minutes, Dawan stinging the palms of Hiroki Ikura in the host goal. After that, it was wave after wave of Marinos' pressure. Anderson Lopez spurned a couple of presentable openings, while Kota Watanabe and Elber also went close. The breakthrough did eventually come after 34 minutes. Marinos' skipper, Takuya Kida, set up midfield partner Watanabe, 
whose effort came back off the post, only for Jan Matthias to bury the rebound, his fifth of the campaign. Mariners let their intensity slip a bit after that, and Gamba came into things more. Uh, Juan Alano put a half volley wide from a decent position before the visitors equalised just before half-time. Captain Yuki Yamamoto bagged a fourth assist in as many outings as he received the ball midway inside the Mariners' half before pivoting and playing a defence-splitting pass to Ryotaro Meshino. He then sold Eduardo a dummy before powering past Ikura, all square at the break. Into the second half now, and there's often controversy whenever Marinos and Gamba meet, and this game was to be no exception. First, a surging run from Elber took him into Gamba's box. He was sandwiched between Shota Fukuoka and Yota Sato. The referee awarded a penalty for a foul by Sato, though he could probably have picked either he or Fukuoka, to be honest. Nothing untoward so far, but this is the part where the jingle would be played if Ben were here. Anderson Lopez, uh, he shimmied, skipped and stepped up from the spot and saw his kick saved by Masaki Higashiguchi. Though VAR then clearly showed Higashiguchi had moved a split second before Lopez struck his effort, so it was ordered to be retaken. I'm not a referee, and as you know I did have a horse in this race, so I'm not going to go into things in too much detail. All I will say is the rules regarding how much stuttering you can do before taking a spot, t- uh, spot kick are a touch vague. You're not supposed to delay kicking the ball once you've planted your standing foot. I'll let you be the judge. From my perspective, what Anderson Lopez is doing may perfectly well be legal, but if it is, I'm not sure it's legal by by very much, to to be honest. You know, football isn't cricket, uh, I know, but if it was, I wonder if you'd be getting pulled up for a sort of spirit of the game infringement, as the keeper may very well say, you know, know, the kicker can dance around like that, and if I move a fraction before the ball is kicked, then it's retaken. One could argue that the odds are stacked a bit too heavily on one side. Once again, just my thoughts, so I'm interested to know what you you think on the other end. Anyway, uh, Lopez did score the retake, a spot kick which saw him shuffle more, Higashiguchi move earlier than before, and multiple players from both sides enter the box before the kick was taken. Rather than get stuck in an endless loop of retaking penalty after penalty after penalty, the officials decided to just let that one stand and move on. So... So shall I. The drama wasn't over there though, as uh, Elber was then shown a second yellow with 25 minutes remaining. Uh, this in the aftermath of another decent Meshino chance for Gamba. Uh, Elber was a judge to a fouled Shota Fukuoka. Uh, he didn't like the decision and he took a long time to leave the fields. Uh, Kevin Muscat, who, who honestly looked like he'd received a text from his wife just before the game started telling him a pipe had burst at home or something, he didn't look particularly pleased all night and he didn't like that ruling either. Uh, after that, though, it was largely Gamba attack versus Marino's defence, but poor finishing, especially from Musashi Suzuki, and several misplaced Shota Fukuoka crosses that let Marinos off the hook, and they held on reasonably comfortably. Um, Marinos, well, they keep pace with Vissel Kobe at the top of the standings, uh, behind the Kyogo side, uh, only on goal difference. Gamba remained 12th, uh, 12 points ahead of 18th place Shona. Now, we have a couple of questions this week from uh, Victor Arroyo, who is a uh, JFootball Analytics on Twitter. You, you may have heard him on JTalk Extra Time uh, a few times. Uh, Victor wants to ask about Gamba Osaka Youth's uh, victory in the 47th Japan Club Youth Soccer Trophy, which took place a couple of weeks back. Uh, Gamba defeating FC Tokyo in the final, uh, winning 5-4 in penalties after the game finished 3-3 after extra time. Perhaps no surprise to see either of these sides in the final, as uh, along with Kashua Reson, their youth setups uh, consistently produce the highest number of J League players across the three senior divisions in Japan. 
this win was a big fillip for Gamba, as they were actually relegated from the Prince Takamado West uh, top division last year. Something of a shock, uh, though they did have COVID issues at the start of 2022 and could never really piece a decent run together after that. Um, this club Youth Soccer Cup win was the first time they've lifted the trophy since uh, 16 years ago when a, a certain Takashi Usami was in the side. Yeah, I wonder whatever became of him. Interestingly, um, injuries to, to third grade uh, high schoolers, I think five in total, led to only five of the starting 11 in the semi-final and final coming from, from high school third grades. There were also five second graders and uh, one first grader uh, who was uh, keeper Rui Araki. And he was named the side's MVP in the tournament. And uh, Araki, along with central midfielder uh, Daiki Miyagawa, they're pretty highly touted. Um, and both are currently members of Japan's under-17 squads. Uh, captain and left-back Keita Izumi uh, has trained with the top team and featured in a couple of bounce games I I've seen. Uh, he can also play as an inside half in midfield. But to be honest, with uh, Ibuki Kono and uh, Rin Mito joining Gamba next year from uh, Jose and Kansei Gakuin Universities respectively, I expect him to go to college, to, to be honest. Uh, a couple of other famous names, uh, Yamaguchi and Endo, were both part of Gamba's winning team. Uh, Centre-back Haruta Yamaguchi, son of Shonan coach Satoshi. He looks to have a decent future, but he might need to bulk up a bit first in university. Uh, while scorer of the, the winning spot kick in the final, uh, Futo Endo, he's the son of uh, legendary uh, Japan and Gamba midfielder Yasuhito Endo. Uh, he plays the same, in, uh, same position as his father. But um, the fact he couldn't crack the starting 11 for either the semi-final or the final suggests to me that he's, he's unlikely to be turning pro next season. Um, for FC Tokyo, uh, winger Yunosuke Sato, he appears to be the star attraction. Uh, he actually featured for FC Tokyo against Gamba's senior team in the Levan Cup uh, group stages earlier this year. So, uh, thanks again for your question, Victor. Hopefully that was what you were looking for, and I'll get to your other one in part three. Nagoya Grampus 1, Kashima Antlers 0. Nagoya Grampus kept themselves within touching distance of the league summit with a hard-fought win over Kashima in sweltering conditions at the Toyota Stadium on Sunday nights. Antlers were the quicker to settle, but left-back Shuhei Mizuguchi's effort following good combination play with Yuma Suzuki was as close as they came. After playing the opening half-hour more like their wayside, Grampus, who had Tsukasa Morishima making his debut in red, began to assert more control as we moved towards half-time, and good work down the left by first Ryuya Morishita and then Kengo Nagai, so the ball supplied to Kasper Junker, who centred brilliantly for Yuki Nogami to knock into an unguarded goal from close range. Grampus went in search of more goals before half-time, and Nagai and Junker combined to tee up Morishita, but unfortunately he had selected the sand wedge from his bag of clubs and spooned his shot well over. The second half rather fell victim to the summer heat and saw far less intensity in goal-mouth activity the longer it went on. Morishita curled just wide before the hour mark for Grampus and Kashima threw on a multitude of subs, but they were largely limited to long-range efforts and under-pressure headers. 1-0 Nagoya, the final score. They remain two points off the top spot. Kashima are still fifth ahead of Serizo on goal difference. Under-23 player of the round, Haria Fuji. Nagoya Grampus. Once again, there was some good competition for this award. Kaishu Sano was generally excellent for Kashima despite their loss, while FC Tokyo's tricky left winger, Kota Tawaratsumida, looks to have a bright future in the game, much to the chagrin of J League podcasters like me. I'm joking, of course. Also, an apology to his teammate, Kuryu Matsuki, who I forgot to mention as a contender last week, as frankly he's that mature, I forgot he was under 23. 
Another player who could easily fit that bill is Nagoya's right-sided centre-back, Haruga Fuji. I say right-sided, as that's where he played on Sunday, but in reality, he can play anywhere across Grandpa's back three. I was impressed by his physicality, which was necessary to deal with the threat posed by Yuma Suzuki, Yuki Kakita and Kei Chinen. His coolness and composure on the ball, exemplified by his crossfield pass to Ryuya Morishita, which started the sequence leading up to Yuki Nogami's winner. While his athleticism and work rate are also worthy of praise. And these were best displayed in the 40th minute on Sunday, when he single-handedly scrambled on the floor to win the ball from the antlers duo of Kaishu Sano and Shuhei Mizuguchi. Well done to Haria Fuji this week's Under-23 Player of the Round. Kashiwa Reso 1, Serizo Osaka 1. Kashiwa Reso will be kicking themselves as they had the chance to pick up a second 1-0 win in successive weeks, but were forced to settle for a point due to Serizo's last gasp equaliser. Reso's night started extremely brightly, taking the lead in just the fourth minute. Matias Savio winning the ball in midfield before feeding the advancing Kota Yamada who played in Sachiro Toshima. Toshima recovered from a poor first touch to drill a low shot across and beyond Yang Hanbin in the visitor's goal. The perfect start for the Sun Kings. Indeed, they almost ended the half in fine fashion too. Mao Hosoya this time fed Toshima in a similar position to where he'd scored his opener. His shot was this time beaten away by Yang, but Toshima volleyed the rebound across goal, where it found Matias Savio, but he put his effort agonisingly wide. It wasn't all one-way traffic though, as Satoki Weijo, partnered this week by the returning Leo Ciara in attack, he wasted two presentable openings, blasting wide following good work by Jordi Crew just on half-time, before firing straight at Kenta Matsumoto after being fed by Capichaba down the left early in the second period. Racial players, coaches and fans will probably still be having nightmares about what ensued in the final 30 minutes or so, as they had countless opportunities to kill the game off, but took none of them. First, Serizo were almost architects of their own downfall, as a poor pass from Ryosuke Shindo was intercepted by Hosoya, but the Cherry Blossoms' rush defence crowded them out, and he ended up firing into the side netting. With 20 minutes to go, Kashua should really have made the game safe. An incredible, powerful run by Hosoya saw him strike the base of the post with his efforts. The rebound fell to Savio. He had time to steady himself and pick his spot, but he blazed over. Just three minutes later, lovely interplay between Savio and Hosoya saw Hosoya one-on-one with Yang, but the South Korean was able to save comfortably, with Hosoya's shot straight down his throat. Into additional time, and this time it really was squeaky bum time down the Hidachi Dai, a loose ball on the edge of the racial area was latched onto by Serizo right-back Seyamai Kuma, but he could only shoot agonisingly white. Kashua's reprieve didn't last long though, as in the 96th minute, Kapishaba got past Eiichi Katayama a little too easily and swung in a deep cross which was met by an unmarked Ryosuke Shindo at the back post and he buried his header past Matsumoto. 1-1 the final score. Kashiro move up to 16th on goal difference but they are still only a point above the one relegation place. Serizo, they are still 6th. Avispa Fukuoka 2, Yokohama FC nil. Yokohama FC's desire to build on the momentum gained from their fine 2-0 home win over Kobe last week was severely dented as early as the second minute at the Best Denki Stadium on Saturday night. Avispa had less to play for than their visitors, but seemed more up for the battle, as Takeshi Kanemori slid in to win a challenge in Yokohama's defensive third. The loose ball fell to Hiroyuki Mai, whose lovely threaded through ball found Yoga Sato in acres of space, and he made no mistake to finish with a plump. Avispa are not really a team you want to find yourself behind against, and Yokohama FC struggled to get much going attacking-wise. 
Indeed, Tatsuki Nara's header, just over his own bar, was about as close as they came in the first half. Just three minutes after half-time, Yokohama FC's task became exponentially more difficult when that man Kanamori, well, he went past three Fulier defenders down the Avispa left and then flicked the ball to Sato and he blasted his effort into Kengo Nagai's top corner for his and Fukuoka's second of the day. After that, it was all a bit too little too late for Yokohama FC. Substitute Caprini, he struck the top of the bar from distance and a couple of minutes later he stung the fists of Masaki Murakami in the home goal but it finished 2-0 to Avispa, their fifth consecutive win. They are the form team in the division and no one appears to be talking about them. They've stealthily moved into 7th. Well, Yokohama FC, uh, they slip a place to 17th behind Kashiwa on goal difference and they are a mere point above bottom club Shonan, who I'll go on to talk about now. Alborex Niigata 2, Shonan Belmare 2. Absolute chaos energy J-League here at the Denka Big Swan in Niigata in front of a bumper Obon-inspired crowd of over 28,000. The hosts were faster out of the blocks but couldn't make their early supremacy tell and they were stunned in just the 10th minute. A nice Shonan move which started just inside their own half so the ball reached Akira Silvano de Zaro about 30 yards out from goal. He played in Naoki Yamada down the left and Yuki Ohashi was then able to guide Yamada's centre past the onrushing Rusuke Kojima for his second goal in his many outings. Absolute end-to-end -end pandemonium ensued for the next 15 minutes. A last-ditch Daiki Sugiyoga challenge stopped Niigata right-winger Takumi Hasegawa in his tracks, while Ohashi and Dezaro were both off-target with efforts down the other end. After 26 minutes, there was further bad news for Niigata as Shonan went two up. Ohashi turned provider this time, picking Thomas Deng's pocket and robbing him of the ball, before keeping a cool head to square for the bald eagle himself. Desaro to slot home his first goal for the club in just his second outing. The pace remained frantic after that, with Song Bumkun forced to tip over Shinsuke Mito's ferocious effort from over 30 yards out, but the teams would head for the sheds with Shonan two to the good. Niigata coach Rikizo Matsuhashi replaced young Mito with veteran Yoshiaki Takagi at halftime, and that move would go on to pay rich dividends later on. With 15 minutes remaining, Good work down the right by another substitute, Eitaro Matsuda advanced the ball towards the Shonan goal and via a couple of nice touches it found its way to a waiting Takagi at the edge of the area and he curled in a beautiful shot to set up a grandstand finish. What a finish it was as Niigata sealed their comeback in the third minute of injury time with the attack again coming down the right side, an incisive ball from fullback Naoto Arai played in Koji Suzuki. He centred for Takagi who skipped past a Shonan defender before blasting past Song. 2-2 the final score. This game had the real feel of a relegation six-pointer, and in its aftermath Niigata set 14th, eight points above Shonan, who remain rooted to the bottom, though they are only a point behind both Kashiwa and Yokohama FC. Player of the round, Yoga Sato of Ispa Fukuoka. I wrote a while back in my blog that there's no reason Avispa couldn't finish sixth, Perhaps I was a bit overconfident, as the one thing that held the Wasps back is a lack of clinicalness in front of goal from anyone other than Yuya Yamagishi. Enter Yoga Sato, who returned to his home prefecture this season following two goal-laden seasons with Tokyo Verde in J2. I've been impressed by his movement and link-up play when he's been used as a centre-forward, and his ability to play on the wing comes as a welcome bonus for Shigitoshi Hasebe's sights. For his two devastating finishes, which took his side to a comfortable win over Yokohama FC and propelled them up to 7th in the standings, Yoga Sato is my player of the round.
San Fuji Hiroshima 2, Urawa Reds 1. Makoto Mitsuda made a welcome return for Hiroshima following a three-month absence, and though Sam Frecci's lucky charm only played 45 minutes, it seems his mere presence inspired them to victory over Urawa. Hiroshima threatened early with a Gakto Nutsta free kick into the side netting, before Mitsuda's corner was headed onto the bar by Hayato Araki, following a fantastic leap by the big centre-back. Urawa swiftly posted a response, with the returning Takahiro Akimoto seeing his cross deflected onto Keisuke Osako's crossbar. Ten minutes after that, Marius Hoybraten played a long ball up to Jose Kante, who was preferred to Shinzo Kuroki in attack for this one. Kante controlled, turned, and fired a ferocious effort past Osako low to his right for his fourth of the season. 1-0 Reds at half-time. That lead lasted until the 69th minute, when Tsukasa Shiotani played in Mutsuki Kato, and the home debutant cut inside Hoybraten before steadying himself and popping the ball past Yusaku Nishikawa. 1-1. Game on. Shiotani was heavily involved in much of the action that followed, first forcing a stop out of Nishikawa before he got involved with a mix-up with his own goalkeeper Osako down the other end, which almost resulted in a calamitous own goal. Fortunately for Sanfrecci, he recovered in time to clear his lines, and their goal continued to live to fight another day. Then, three minutes into additional time, Hiroshima broke forwards. Takumu Kawamura's sweeping pass found substitute Nassim Ben Khalifa in space, he made his way inside the Reds' penalty area before unleashing a rocket which beat Nishikawa at his near post. Just the second goal of quite a disappointing campaign for Ben Khalifa, but neither he or the jubilant Sanfrecce fans could have had too many complaints about the outcome of Sunday's match. 2-1 the final score. That win, Hiroshima's first in seven games, sees them rank eighth in the standings, four points and four places below Urawa, who are fourth and now seven points in arrears of Nagoya above them. That top three is becoming quite settled at the moment. Now to Victor's second question, which concerns the big news out of J1 last Friday, which was the transfer of Yokohama F. Marinos, number 10, Marcos Jr., to Sanfrecce Hiroshima. After the arrival of Nam Tehi at the Nissan Stadium, the departure of Marcos Jr. had been widely expected, but I think Hiroshima was a surprise destination nonetheless. One of the best players in the league definitely in 2019, and I'd argue that largely continued through 2020 and 2021. However, he'd become something of a bit part player since Takuma Nishimura joined in 2022. No goals in 23 outings last term from over a thousand minutes of football and just three, three assists as well. Uh, only five starts in J1 this time round, two goals, two assists. It might be a bit of a lazy comparison but you might say he's similar to former partner in crime Terehito Nakagawa in that Marinos are usually pretty good at getting rid of veterans at exactly the right time. Hiroshima absolutely needs someone like him. Uh, the big question is, can he come in and deliver consistently after a long spell of not really playing all that many minutes on a weekly basis? There are 11 games remaining this season, the next of which is against Kawasaki Frontale. Uh, I'm sure Marcos will be more than up for that one. Uh, I, for one, am fascinated to see how this move turns out. So um, thanks again, Victor. Uh, I hope that answers your question. And I'm sure this transfer is something that will be discussed also in, in future episodes of the pod between uh, now and the end of the season. FC Tokyo 2, Kyoto Sanga 0. FC Tokyo comfortably saw off Kyoto Sanga at the Ajinomoto Stadium on Saturday night with a scoreline that could be said to be a little bit flattering to the visitors. Diego Oliveira had recovered from the knock he took last week at Cerezo, and he put the game's opening chance just over from a tight angle after eight minutes. 
in the 15 minutes leading up to halftime, FC Tokyo really put their foot on the gas. After a warning shot across the bows from Sanga in the shape of a Yuta Toyokawa effort, which went over, the gasmen responded with a nice interchange play between Diego and Kota Tawara Tsumida, which culminated in Diego forcing a smart stop out of Kyoto debutant Gusong Yun. However, less than a minute later, Angu was picking the ball out of his net as FC Tokyo's recent signing from Sanga, Kosuke Shirai, fired in across. Ikito Inoue couldn't get a decisive touch to clear, which allowed Keigo Higashi to knock the ball back for Ryoma Watanabe to slot home from close range. Just two minutes later, Tawara Tsumida cut in and shot. Gu parried away, and Watanabe couldn't steer the rebound goalwards. 1-0 FC Tokyo at the break. 13 minutes into the second half, and it was 2-0 to the hosts. After a corner kick was cleared, uh, Yuto Nagatomo swung the ball back in. Enrique Trevisan guided a header onto the chest of uh, Keigo Higashi who controlled, swiveled and nonchalantly dispatched a volley past the helpless goo. Not the kind of play most readily associated with Higashi, but boy did he and his teammates enjoy it. FC Tokyo then introduced new signing, Jaja Silva, for a home debut, and he once again flashed signs of what he's capable of, uh, stinging goo's gloves with a shot from outside the area, before later seeing a volley saved. Compatriot Adayotin could then have added gloss to the scoreline in additional time, Latching on to Koki Tsukagawa's audacious through ball with the outside of his boot, but the former Jubilo man's lob fell just white and it remained 2 0 to FC Tokyo. That's the second clean sheet in two games for last week's under 23 player of the round, Taishi Brandon Nozawa, and it was interesting to see Jakob Slovic back for this encounter, but he could only make the bench for FC Tokyo, who are 10th. While Sanga, uh, they need to be careful they don't sleepwalk into a relegation dogfight. They are 15th, just six points above bottom spot. Hokkaido Consadori Sapporo 1, Sagantosu 1. Sapporo would be mightily disappointed to have come away with only a point from this encounter, having dominated for long periods. Visiting Tosu actually started brighter with former Consadori winger Yuto Iwasaki heading over when he could have done better, and shortly after that he surged on to Taichi Kikuchi's neat through pass, however his centre was just out of the onrushing Kaiman Togashi's reach, with Togashi really only needing to get a toe end on the ball to steer it home. Considoli took control after that, but were largely restricted to shots from the edge of the Tosu penalty area, and as halftime approached, frustration visibly began to build within their ranks. I wrote in my halftime notes, this game needs a goal, and five minutes into the second period, that's exactly what it got. Sapporo broke on the counter from deep in their own half. In classic Misha Petrovic style, Akito Fukumori played in charging wide centre-back Toya Nakamura, and his determined run saw him shrug off challenges from So Kawahara, and Yoshiki Narahara to tee up Yuya Asano, who swept home his first goal since May, 1-0 to the hosts. The longer the game went on, the more likely it appeared that Consadole would double their advantage, but they were unable to do so, and they were then stunned seven minutes from the end of regulation time by So Kawahara's first J1 goal. And what a goal it was. Initially lucky to get the ball back after a mishit pass, he then exchanged a 1-2 with substitute Jun Nishikawa, before embarking in a fine dribble through the heart of the Sapporo defence, and he then coolly slotted past Naoki Otani for a great equaliser. The game was pretty end-to-end after that, but there were no further goals. 1-1 the final score. Sapporo now seven games without a win, while for Tosu this clash was quite indicative of their season as a whole, outplayed for long spells, but able to keep themselves alive, and then come away with a positive result at the end. Round 24 
finally, let's take a look ahead to round 24, which actually takes place over three days, uh, Friday 18, Saturday 19, and Sunday 20th August. That's owing to the ongoing Obon summer holiday here in Japan. On Friday night, we have two games. Uh, first at 7 o'clock, it's Avispa Fukuoka hosting Alberex Niigata. Then at 7.30, there's another original 10 clash between Urawa Reds and Nagoya Grampus. Six games on Saturday, uh, opening up the Saturday action at 6 o'clock, Kashima Antlers hosting Sagan Tosu. You might remember that, that fixture last year ended up 4-4. Then at 7 o'clock, we have uh, Kyoto Sanga against Hokkaido Considale Sapporo. Uh, Gamba Osaka against Shonan Belmari, that's uh, Gamba's summer expo game. They'll be wearing a very snazzy black uniform and expect a big crowd for that one too. Then uh, another game taking place in Kansai at, at 7 o'clock on Saturday. It's Visel Kobe against Kashiwa Reso, a game with the uh, potential repercussions at both ends of the table. And then uh, Sam Frecci, they have another home game that they're hosting uh, Kawasaki Frontale. 7.30, we see uh, Peter Klamowski. He, he, he takes his FC Tokyo side um, short distance to Nissan Stadium to take on Yokohama F Marinos. That'll be a, a very fascinating game to, to keep your eyes on. Then on to, to Sunday, there's one game I think John Steele will be keenly watching, and that is taking place at 6.30pm uh, at the Mitazawa, and it's Yokohama FC hosting Cerezo Osaka. Okay, so that just about wraps everything up. Um, I'll be back again next week, and I'll have, I will have a guest in tow, uh, and then Ben will be back raring to go the following week. Uh, finally, I'd just like to say a big thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, thanks to Victor for his questions. And if you are a patron, thank you for supporting this podcast on Patreon. Thanks again. I'll see you next week. Bye for now. The J Talk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes.